Welcome to the Cultivate Network Podcast, where we're digging in, digging in on Christian living, leadership, and church planning. Here are your hosts, Jamie Couch and Anthony Waters. seems like for the last few weeks, the Lord has really been pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. We knew this would happen. This is what the scripture tells us, that the Lord would do this, especially here toward the last days. And we all know we're living in the last days. My goodness, look around. Surely we are closer than what we have ever been. And my mind goes back to the book of Psalm chapter 85, verse 6. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? You know, we don't hear the word revival in Scripture, but we see revive many times in Scripture. And, you know, you look at what's happened at uh, Asbury College, and you see that that started with a heart of worship. And if you had the opportunity to go back and listen to the sermon that was ministered on that Wednesday morning, what a wonderful sermon on the love of God. Yeah. And the way that it was delivered, the minister that delivered it, such a beautiful, beautiful message. And it was a simple message, really. Mm-hmm. He just talked about God's love and the love that he had seen in his life from God, knowing that the hurts of the past couldn't be let go of until he found that true love <clears throat> of God. But it sent a spark forward <laughs> mm. that a revival broke out. Sometimes I think we expect fire to fall. (laughs) We expect the earth to quake. But it's still that still small voice that still just absolutely will shake us to our core. And that still small voice is that voice that comes in and that will truly set a heart of revival on fire for God. So as we start today's podcast, how truly wonderful it is. That the Lord still revives his people today. That a spirit of revival that still goes forward. That there's still a heart of worship. That there's still a heart of love. That there is still power in the name of Jesus to set lives free. To see lives transformed for the glory of God. God's not dead. God is alive. <laughs> Man, makes me cry. He's alive And he's still sitting on the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and for me. Revive us again, O Lord. Lord, that our heart would burn for you. That everything about us, Lord, would be geared towards you. That our minds, our lives would be towards you, Father. Lord, help me. What you got to say? (laughs) In the day and hour living in, what what an encouraging season. Oh, man. As, as the love of many has waxed cold, sure. as evil seems to flourish across the That's land. Right. And, yeah. and, and guys, um, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, and you've, you've read your Bible, this is not a strange occurrence. No. So if you go, if you go to the children of Israel and you watch the rhythm of their, of, of their, their, their revivals, the, the way that they would stray from God and then hunger and desperation for God. And then God would restore them. If you go, I mean, it's, if you go through church history that, you know, as evil and dark 
and 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 it, as this society is today, the power of God does not cease. And you mentioned the minister, and notice we don't even know his name. Yeah. So the, I mean, I, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this revival and guys, we're in Kentucky. That's where we're, our home base is South Central Kentucky here in Somerset. So we're not very far from Asbury, um, university. Uh, it, but I read, a, I read an article that this minister and the article said his name, but I forgot it because his name is, he's a good guy. He's a man of God. I sure. know he is, Yeah. but his name's not that significant. No. So, um, and he would say, and, and, and he would say the same yeah, thing. Yeah, he would. So, and he actually said in, in an interview, uh, because obviously, you know, the media is trying to play this up and, mm-hmm. and do things, you know, what the media does. But he said, guys, I really, I really thought I bombed yeah. in that sermon. He said, I thought I bombed. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and here, here was my comment. And the article went on to talk about how that, that he felt like he bombed, but he really didn't bomb. But here's the thing. What if he did? Yeah. You know, okay. <clears throat> because what if the response of the students was not a response to his sermon, mm. but it was a response to what God spoke to them through his word, even in his failure, even in his bombing. And so it encourages me. It encourages me. That revival doesn't hinge on my ability to or to, to be a good orator of God's word. Amen. It doesn't hinge on my ability at all. Nope. It hinges on my desperation. Yeah. For the revelation of who Jesus is. Yeah. It's not. And, and, and guys, I've been as Anthony, uh, we were t- chatting last night about the the topic of the podcast and. I was I was just pondering on okay this revival the Asbury revival, and I began to to wonder about the other revivals throughout history. And so you know throughout the podcast here, I'll, I'll share some of those common themes yeah. that that happened, and and you know at least six of the great revivals throughout the history that we can document, and those themes are so concretely consistent that it it is just like it's so simple the formula. The power, the revelation, the consistency, the, the way that God did it in different eras, in different centuries, in different decades, and the way he did it was just so eloquently beautiful. Revival is here, and God is real, and he is on his throne, and he is not pacing the floor of heaven wondering what to do with America or China <laughs> or Russia <laughs> or Ukraine. He is on his throne. Praise God. That's pretty awesome. It's amazing to see like the Asbury revival. And then I know you're going to speak to some of the revivals in the time that has happened in time past and the fire of God that has fell. But where did the revival start at? Where was the first, where did it start? It's not like a minister rolls up one day and says, we're going to have a revival. We're going into revival. What happens before that ever happens is a revival starts first in the lives of the people. That's where God starts working first. He's working inside of them to revive them. You know, if we're ever seeking revival, we should be praying that the Lord revive us. Lord, wake us up. Father, open our eyes. Lord, let us get back to our first love. Revive Mm. us, Lord. Mm. And Lord, let the fire spread. Last week in our question of the day, we asked why was so many people coming from so many different places to see this revival that was going on? 
Why does why why are there people coming from foreign countries to Wilmore, Kentucky? Mm-hmm. Why why on earth? Mm-hmm. Why 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 do that? Why come from such a long distance? And my mind went back to when I was a young boy. I remember growing up at the house, and one Sunday morning we went to church, and when we came home, man, when we came home, we came through the last probably three miles of the trip was nothing but smoke. And we got to mom and dad's house, and the hills behind mom and dad's house had caught on fire. There was a forest fire. And uh, I remember sitting at the dinner table with mom, dad, and my grandma and grandpa Sumner, and as we sat there, these big old planes would come over, and they would shake the house. And they would go and they'd dump that chemical on there to help put the fire out. That happened nonstop. Then helicopters would fly over and they would be, they'd have these big bags on them that they would open those bags up and dump water on them as well. And as the day continued on, people from everywhere started coming to mom and dad's house. And they would park anywhere they could. And all they wanted to see was the fire. That's all they wanted to see was the fire. Mm-hmm. People are hungry for the fire. Yes. They want to see the fire. Why is the fire so appealing? Why is the fire so appealing? I would have to take you, I guess, back to Acts chapter number two. <laughs> Good place to go. <laughs> you know, you think about the yeah. fire, and, and that's a perfect analogy, Anthony. And if you think about what had to happen, because Jesus told the disciples in Acts chapter one, yeah, he said, you're going to receive power, yeah. fire. Yeah. And when you do, you're going to be, it's going to start with you. Yeah. And then it's going to go, it's going to <laughs> spread across the region. <laughs> oh, boy. And, and, and it reminds me of the Old Testament prophet who said that I'm going to send you forth as firebrands. Mm. And, and that firebrand basically is a burning stick, for That's lack right. of a better word. Yeah. So, so here we are, just a stick, but we're a burning stick. <laughs> and so then it's almost like I see the 12 disciples and then I see all the multitude gathered together yep. in the upper room that day in Acts number ch- chapter 2. Mm. And I see that it's almost like God is lighting candles, you know. He, oh, yeah. he sends his Holy Spirit as tongues of fire, you know. Yeah. There's little little tongues of fire setting on each, sat on each of them. Mm. It was almost like he, he was igniting in them their personal revival their personal fire that mm. that, that was going to take and, and culminate and then immediately what happened is that you know they stepped outside the walls of that yep. upper room and the fire spread and quickly people came <laughs> they were they heard they saw yep. they witnessed this and so it was more than just words it was an experience yep. and, and it was something that was contagious mm. it was something that people of all nations people of all backgrounds they were all they had one common one common theme on that night in Acts chapter 2 and that common theme was all they were in awe yeah. of what God was doing <laughs> in that moment. Not much and different than right now. No. Everybody's in awe. It was so beautiful. Awesome. And, and, and you know, I think that, um, you know, Anthony, if you go back and, and you look at that, okay, that was like the, the, the initiation of that. So I, I jotted down some notes this morning in prayer. Good, there, yeah. There's like one, two, three, four, five. There's seven great revivals. I'm going to go in, in order of the year. Sure. So in the 1730s, you had the first great awakening. Mm. Jonathan Edwards. Okay. A great sermon by Jonathan Edwards, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. If you've never read that sermon, wow. It, <laughs> you read it. But Jonathan Edwards was, was a minister who hungered, hungered after God. He didn't 
he preached sermons, but his, his sermons wasn't where the revival started. Mm. He started having prayer meeting in his house <laughs> in the 1730s. And that, that started the first great awakening in America. Okay, let's transition over now to 1801, which will be the second great awakening. So this one actually started in Kentucky too, Cane Creek, Kentucky. Hmm. There was a bunch of people in Cane Creek, Kentucky, and religion at this point had gotten so formalized and so so rigorously formalized and religious that these people were hungry for more than a formality. They wanted a they wanted an experience with God, and and they didn't start prayer meeting. Uh, they didn't start church services or call a revival. Now, if you if you Google Cane Creek revival, you're going to see a large gathering outside, like a big. Uh, a tent meeting or the old brush arbor meetings you'll hear the old timers talk about that right but here's what here's actually what started it see we we go straight so many times to the big the big pomp and circumstance but we we seldom look at what the what was the what was the igniter mm. and that was the personal fire that yeah. started in the lives so they started in in the community of cane creek in homes, in houses, these these families started hosting prayer meetings inside their home in 1801, which led to the Second Great Awakening kickoff in, in Cane Creek. It didn't start with the Brush Arbor. It didn't start with the tent meeting. The tent meeting was an after effect of the prayer meeting that happened before. So let's go on to the next year, the Welsh Revival in 1903 in wales england this revival shut down the police station i mean it was so powerful that it did that and, and if you google the welsh revival you're going to find the welsh revival the big meetings and the and the the names you're going to see seymour and all kinds of names in this ministers names but if you if you dig enough you'll find out that it didn't start with him it didn't start with the meetings it started with a, a youth group hmm. that had prayer meetings in their homes wow they were hungry they were desperate. So that was 1903. Let's go to 1906. This is one of the ones that just amazed me. We've all heard, what in, in our circle, we, mm, yeah. we, you know, we've heard of the Azusa Street Revival. Yep. And uh, what I learned is it actually wasn't the Azusa Street Revival. It was the Bonnie Bray Street Revival. Hmm. So way before, months and months before Azusa Street was ever known as a location of a, of a revival, there was a revival that happened in the home of Richard and Ruth Asbury, Hmm. There's a couple. He was a he was a lay minister, what they called a lay minister. I don't believe in lay ministers, but you know, let me get background background. He was bivocational. He worked he worked a blacksmith. He wasn't a lay minister. He was a minister that happened to have have a a, a, a job. So anyway, side side note. <clears throat> so 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 Bonnie. Uh, it was it was Richard and Ruth Asbury was the name, and Richard was a minister who was a, was a blacksmith. They were so hungry for God. They they just held prayer meetings in their house. And the, and it started catching up. They caught on fire, and then the, they started inviting people over, and they were experiencing God in such a depth, and 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 that that they caught on fire, and then the house got so full of people praying every day that they had to find a bigger place, and that's where Azusa Street came in. Hmm. Azusa Street was close by; it was the next biggest, and and that's where Azusa Street. But it didn't start there. It started at Bonnie Bray Street at Richard Roos House, hmm. and the beauty of that. Is it the common theme in all these revivals is exactly the same. Let's go let's fast forward a few years, 1929, the East African revival, a huge revival in East Africa. This started in prayer meeting in the homes of college students in Kampala, Uganda. 
just the college kids were hungry and they started having prayer meeting in their house. Hmm. Okay, let's fast forward a few more years here, and I'm almost done, but I wanted to cover these. This is this is the, the Brownsville revival, Brownsville, Florida. You've heard of the 1995. It lasted about five years. It started with a, a guy who, who asked uh, a congregation in Brownsville Assembly of God to, 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 to fast and pray. They did it for six weeks. Every day they met at the church, they prayed. Every day they fasted for six straight weeks. But they took it in desperation. We, we call the first of the year fast, the Daniel fast, oh, yeah. and it's really our diet plan. <laughs> if you really want to look at it, it's really a, you know, our way to kick off here and lose some weight. But no, these guys were not trying to lose weight. These guys were desperate. Yeah. Okay. And they took the fast seriously and the prayer seriously. Every day they prayed. And, and so before the Browns revival, you're going to hear big names of the Browns revival after the fact. Yeah. But long before the evangelists got there, long before the, the ministers got there and the, and the meetings started, there was another meeting that was that preceded it. In every revival you can read of, there's a meeting that precedes the meeting. Yeah. That's the most important meeting. And it all started with at least one person. Yeah. It caught on fire. So I mean that just goes to prove it that God revives. He sets a fire inside. There's a hunger and a thirst that comes. And what does the Bible say for those that hunger and thirst after righteousness? They What's going to happen to them? shall be filled. Oh, my goodness. They might be filled or they shall be filled. They, they shall be filled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it all boils down to what are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? Mm. A lot of people are hungry for the things of the world, not for the things of God. Yeah. But when we can get self out of the way and we can put our focus on God and we can hunger and thirst for God that we want more of him, that we want to be on fire for him, that we want to encounter him in a new way. We want more. We want a deeper depth, a higher height. Look what happens. I mean, look at everything that you just said there, all these revivals, the revival that's happening right now, there was more to it. Somebody was hungry for God, and they were seeking after God. They were hungry for more than what the world had to offer, and they wanted to know more of God, have a deeper meaning. I love how you started this out with Acts chapter 2. Tarry until ye be endued with power from on high. My goodness. And when the power fell, he, they walked outside. Peter stood boldly for the first time. He stands boldly before the people, and he delivers the gospel of Jesus Christ, and 3,000 people are yeah. saved. Yeah. And here's the good news of the gospel is the fire still burns and he still adds to the church daily, mm. daily, adding to the church daily. Fire still burning. Mm. This revival that we see that's kicked off at Asbury, there's so much more. And I think when people see it, they want to see the fire. Uh, one of our one of the guys at church, Chris, Chris went up there last week. He walked around the weight to get into the sanctuary was five to 10 hours, depending on how long the people would stay in five to 10 hours. Wow. But what Chris gleaned from it, he could have went up there and seen that and got disheartened being like, Oh, well, but he took out his iPhone and he did a little Facebook live. And he said, I want y'all to see this. Yeah. He said, this is the crowd of people waiting. He said, but look here. And he would turn to the side and there was a, there was a group outside worshiping, yeah. praising, He'd go a little bit farther, a group worshiping, yeah. praising. He finally made it to the center of the college over there, to like the courtyard. They had a TV screen set up, people outside worshiping, praising, glorifying God. <laughs> mm. 
When two or three are gathered together in his name, he is in the midst. He's in the midst. He's making the change. Yeah. He's stirring. He's shaking. I don't care what the media says. Yeah. I don't care what politics say. I don't care what the world says. Yeah. The fire that's been started, God put it there. God started the fire, and the world, no matter how hard they try, they cannot put it out. Wow. And notice what happened in this in this particular revival in Asbury. It's no different than anything else that happened throughout the Bible, throughout Bible history. The 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 world, the Gentiles, the and I use the word Gentiles with air quotes. You guys can't see that. Yeah. The the world um, looked at this revival in awe. Mm. If you notice the media, the media's first response was, "Wow, what is this? Yeah, what is this? What is this? You had secular <laughs> college students. Whoa, what is this? Yeah. Okay. Then you had <clears throat> the first persecutor, and this is a whole other podcast, probably. The first persecutor of this revival, the first doubters, the first uh, naysayers of this oh. revival. Guess where it came from, guys? <laughs> oh man, the church. Can you the church, the that? most stained glass people, <laughs> had the biggest so ridicule, true. and they and they're still hammering on it. Oh, I mean, goodness. I'm seeing it on social media. I'm seeing it all over the place. They're hammering on this revival, and the ones doing it are the most dry, parched, and you know. Anyway, that's a whole different story. So, <laughs> but but you think about it, it's nothing new. No, and, and people are coming back at them, and this going back. I'm like, guys, calm down. Yeah, there's nothing new. Yeah. You should have expected when you're moving forward, you're going to have this this pushback from the religious crowd. It happened to Jesus. It happened to Paul. Yeah, it's going to happen again. So, so you know, and, and I want to clarify this too, um, as one of the uh, revival apologetics, uh, just for a second, is there's nothing supernatural about. The chapel at Asbury College. There's nothing supernatural about no. Calvary Chapel no. in California. Mm-hmm. Nothing supernatural about Azusa Street no. or Bonnie Clyde Street or whatever no. that was. Nothing natural, mm-hmm. you know, nothing supernatural. There's a lot natural about it. No. But but what are people hungry for? It's not the building. No. Nope. People are not hungry for the chapel. Mm-mm. They're hungry for people that are hungry. They're attracted to people that are on fire. And they're coming, as you gave the example, yeah. they're coming to see them burn because they just want to understand, wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and yeah. so, so you know, it, there's so much skepticism around, around that. Is it mysticism? Is it this? Is it that? Well, notice what's happening. Signs and wonders are being, you know, performed. Miracles are being performed. And lives are being revived. But here's, here's the other apologetic. <clears throat> Do you have to be there? To experience it, and the answer is absolutely not. Not at all. Not. And does that mean you don't want to go? Don't want to be there? No, sure, you want to yeah. be there. Absolutely. Yeah. Go catch on fire. Bring it back home. But yeah. but but you can catch you can catch on fire in your own yep prayer closet. Yep. And you should. You should. Man, this if, if there's ever been a time to be crying out, God's moving. God's stirring. I mean, the water is the water is stirred. It's shook. Yes, man, jump out in that. Mm. Seek God's face. If you see this revival that's going on, you're like, man, I want fire like that in my life. My goodness, pray and fast, which people don't like to hear anymore. Oh, what's that? Because it's going to cost you something. What's that? But if you'll pray and you'll fast and you'll seek His face, what did we just say? Those that seek after His righteousness, they're going to be, be filled. Mm. My goodness, give give it to God. Mm. Seek His face. Say, Lord, let the fire fall on me. 
Remember a great sermon you preached years ago, Firefall. Love Firefall message. Thought of it a lot. And Yosemite, is it Yosemite? Yosemite? Yeah. yeah. They do a Firefall where they start a fire and they let it come down. It kind of wipes out the underbrush underneath to let the trees grow healthy and to sprout new growth. People come from everywhere to see the Firefall. Yeah. No different than it is right now. Lord, let the fire fall on us. Let the chaff be burned up that we may spring forth anew in you. Mm -mm. And we're getting close to the end of this podcast, guys. (laughs) But there's so much more to say. I just want to bring up uh, one one other one other point here as as we review. This kind of buttons up the um, at least you know some of the church history here and revival history. But it's probably my biggest takeaway from from this as. For me personally, right, from the revival Asbury to the Welsh Revival to the first Second Great Awakening to the Brownsville Revival, all these, all these, uh, the Bonnie Street Revival. I, I call it that now, not Azusa Street. Sure. Because it's really what it was. Yeah. Um, and here's what I'm, the biggest um, persecution, I, I, I want to create a little bit of a contrast. The persecutors of all these revivals were ones in formalized, systematic religion that anchored down on their ability to achieve holiness and righteousness by their own merit and achievement and accolade. The ones that were involved in these revivals, the ones that were immersed and on fire in these revivals, the ones that started the the fire, which they didn't really start the fire. They just caught on fire first. Mm. The ones that caught on fire first, let me rephrase that. They had one key thing that the religious crowd that persecuted them did not have. And that is they had desperation. Yeah. The religious crowd didn't need it Mm. because they already had everything. They already had the, the systematic theology. They already had it all figured out. They already had all the answers and they had it under their own control. They had it under control themselves, and they were comfortable. Mm. Comfort and desperation cannot exist at the same location. No. Comfort and desperation cannot exist in the same location. No way. Each one of these revivals that I read about last night and this morning, including the revival of my own life that I've experienced from time to time, was in periods not of comfort but of desperation. Yeah. And the, 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 the relentless pursuit of sanctification and holiness. Mm. That, God, I want to be like you, regardless of anything else that happens. I want to be like you. I'm desperate for you. Not just an experience for, with you, okay? I, I, I want to key that too, guys. Man, I wish I had more time. The, the, <laughs> each, each of these revivals that I just read about you know, in the last 24 hours and did some study about, including the revival of my own life, have been characteristic of desperation, not Okay, not desperation to have a, a supernatural experience because there's lots of people who have des- desperation for that, but, but a desperation for God to know him and for his holiness to be a part of my life. Mm. I want to be like him. I want to be sanctified. I want to be set apart. I want to be more like him. I'm desperate to be more like him. When that is the impetus of our pursuit, then everything changes desperation characterize it desperation not for the miracle signs and wonders yeah but desperation for the author Mm. of the book by which we hold in our hands the weapon of warfare that 
brings eternity to its knees. Mm. Well, that's, that's strong. <laughs> so what are you desperate for today? Wherever you're at, you may, it's untelling. Uh, you could be anywhere in this world today. What are you desperate for? Are you desperate for the things of the world? Well, I can tell you what they'll give you. It'll be heartache, despair. It'll never fill you. But are you hungry and are you desperate for God? Man, I, Bible tells me that if I seek him, I'm going to be filled up. So what are you desperate for? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I think that's where we all need to be. You want revival in your life? Seek God. Desperately cry out to him. Cry out with everything you have, seeking his face, pouring yourself out to him, knowing that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And keep digging, guys. That's what it takes. You want to be in the, you want revival? Then you let it start with you and let God revive you and let you catch on fire and let that fire brand, let it go with you and let watch others catch on fire as well. Something going to be different. Something going to change. And it's going to be contagious. Guys, thanks for tuning in. And uh, as, as we all close this out today, let's just keep what Anthony just said in mind. We have access to the same fire that ignited each of the revivals we've talked about today. We love you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Cultivate Network podcast. Until next time, keep cultivating.